he's going to come up and uh, and share, and then I'll just call guys' names out as we go. So I'll, what I'll do is I'll call out the facilitator, and then you let us know who's coming to speak on behalf. It might be you, but it might be someone else. So come on, Danny, let's come up, mate, and share. It's a light. Thanks, brother. Thanks, brother. All right. Um, if you want to turn to the scripture we had, which was Romans 6, uh, 16 to 19, I'll, I'll read it out. So... <clears throat> Do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness? But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed. And having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness." I'm speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, resulting in further lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, resulting in sanctification. So uh, I guess background um, uh, for those... uh, who didn't have their uh, study Bible, and it gives you the little preamble before the <laughs> each chapter. Uh, so this is uh, obviously Paul's uh, letters to the believers in, in Romans. On one of his journeys, uh, he wanted to go to Rome, but uh, couldn't at that stage. Um, and um, I guess uh, we're also going to realise that he wrote this to the believers, to the church uh, in, in Rome at the time. And so I guess um, the things that we uh, discussed uh, about uh, the scriptures were that by the virtue of our nature, we're going to be slaves to something. Um, and obviously here it's just very two, two choices. It's either lawlessness, uh, sin, missing the mark, uh, and that could mean anything, of course. It could mean um, anything that's not of God. Uh, and it could be just living our normal lives. Um, and as we discussed, um, I guess before coming to Christ and, and the world, uh, you know, Rome will do what Rome does. Uh, we will do what we will do prior to coming to know Christ. Uh, and so this is specific for, for those believers who now have that uh, awakening in them, that revelation, that choice. Um, and I guess it echoes the scriptures. Um, you know, in the Old Testament, where where God says, "You know, this day I I I give before you life and death. Choose life," and and this echoes the same thing, that by the virtue of our nature we will be slaves to something, uh, and He's saying, "You know, be a slave to Christ. Be a slave to righteousness. The things you were doing, uh, I guess, you could still be doing." Uh, offering your members to impurity and lawlessness, um, now present it to, to, to Christ. And 
And the result of that is the sanctification, the setting apart of. So these people would have been different to those in Rome, how the Romans lived. They would be the light and the salt. Uh, they would be set apart. They would be separate. And, and there's no difference for us uh, at this time. Uh, and one of the things we uh, discussed or came up with was the fact that um, this is a choice. Uh, it is an active choice that can become an innate response. Um, I, I, I guess, um, you know, even yesterday when, uh, when Greg talked about belonging, believing and, and behaviour um, and we are to love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, mind and strength, uh, we talked about the paradigm shift of, of the different world um, but it says here quite clearly that but thanks be to God that though you were slaves to sin, you became obedient from the heart. So ultimately it has to be a decision first that we will say yes to God uh, and then you know, the, the, uh, the outworking of that is in our mind, is in our actions, uh, resulting in that um, life and peace of righteousness. Um, is there anything else, guys? Was in our group? No. Um, yeah, so, I mean, ultimately, we came down to everything is a choice, <laughs> and God always puts it before us. He gave uh, Adam and Eve a choice, and we talked about that. You know, there you go, you can have all of this, just leave this part alone, and we know what happened. Um, and I guess one of the thoughts we had also was, we talked about, you know, when we do offer our members to impurity and sin, um, I guess you become more desensitised and it starts to have you. We talked about the scripture that once once that desire inside you uh, births, uh, you know, it starts to take control and, and, it, and then it desires you as you first desired it and then you can't get, can't get out of it. Um, and a very simple analogy was one... Adam's simple choice, but look at the world we are in now. Look at the depravity that we are capable of. But it was all about a single choice. Um, and I guess that's why repentance is so important, is that uh, when we're conscious of the choice that we've made that wasn't a choice that God would want us to make, we now have an opportunity to start again. So, you know, we're not, we'll make a choice here, and if we don't repent of it, we're going to end up all the way down here sooner or later. But every time we repent, we can go back to this point. We can go back to this point. So, you know, it's, it's setting the standard here. While we're not, it's not about the standard, <laughs> but it's about avoiding being over there. Now, we all know that most of us in this room or some of us in this room, we've probably been down here and God's brought us back to all the way over there. Um, but what do we do in the meantime? We destroy ourselves. We become... Um, I guess, you know, we damage those around us. We damage the testimony of Christ. Uh, you know, how many times when we've heard of a believer uh, who's all of a sudden ended up down there and you had no idea, but this whole path must have been there somewhere in the background. And so we also talked about that we can't do this as an island. We can't do it ourselves. And we need each other to keep ourselves accountable. All right. Um, Kirk, your guys. <laughs> All right, next. Um, 
How's it, bro? Oh. Um, so we were given Romans chapter 6, 12 to 14. Um, and the, the, just to give you some context before we read the, the verse is the chapters around believers are dead to sin and alive to God. So the scripture was um, starting at 12, 6, 12 to 14. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lusts. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Man, this shakes around like a... How do you cope? Shake your head around. Um, as was mentioned earlier, uh, Paul was writing to the Roman church, and um, he was basically preaching the gospel, which is belonging, sanct- sanct- sanctification, which is believing, and righteousness, which is becoming. So that's the theme that we've been talking about. Um, so basically, what we did is we sat down, we went through it, and um, the first thing that we pulled out of it was one must acknowledge that Jesus has already paid for for our uh, iniquity and sin once and for all. So I think for, for us, we understood it as you need to, number one, accept that and acknowledge that. That's the first step. So if you're battling or you're stuck or whatever the case is, you know, have you actually acknowledged that? And that's, that's the becoming because once you've acknowledged that, you truly become, you understand uh, you belong to that, belong to him through that because that's been paid for. The second portion was uh, love your God with all your might and strength and give everything. So it talks about um, in that verse um, uh, that you give all your parts, all your members of your body, um, and that's believing. And that's, that's where you actually give everything. You know, you don't hold on to that one idol. We were talking about like surfing's not that bad, you know, like surely, surely, you know, whatever it is. So it's giving your all. And, and that ties in with truly believing. So you must, you know, if you truly believe, then you must give everything. All right. And then the last one, um, so therefore, uh, that, sorry, handwriting's terrible. <laughs> so that, uh, the body can be used for its intended purposes. And, um, and, that's, and that's the sort of the becoming of righteousness. So you can only truly sort of use your talents and your gifts and your blessings um, at that point. So there's really three points to this. Um, You've got to belong and understand that belongings through the blood of the Christ. Believing is taking that step and giving everything and sacrificing of self. Pretty good, eh, Greg? Uh, <laughs> got this. I got this. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the, the the final part, and like that's the part we all want, is um, you know living righteously, and um, and then yeah, just to 
finish it off, you know, seek ye first the kingdom of God and the righteousness. So that's that second part that Greg says we kind of, you know, we, we forget. But it's because you need, to, you need to do the first two portions before you can get there. Thank you. <laughs> Very good. Hey, don't you love these South Africans? They're going to come over here and take over. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we better limit that growth, eh? <laughs> hey, too late. We'll all be saying, water. <laughs> Okay, Paul, who's in your... Who's representing you guys? All right, Mr. Thompson. Let's give it up for James Thompson. All right. (laughs) You could, being in Greg's life group, you could hear the surprise when I stood up. It it was uh, not a volunteer. It was forced. (laughs) And Paul's gone and sat right near the exit in case it's terrible. (laughs) Right, so we had a bit of discussion, but a couple of hard acts to follow. Um, so our verses, we had a short one. So 1 John 2, 28-29. People finding it? I oh, know Danny's finding it on his phone. Right, so it says, uh, And now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. So um, just a few quick notes, really. Um, So who's writing it? Uh, John is writing it. And um, we had a bit of a discussion around who he was writing it to. Um, and we just basically believe it was to the believers or the church in general. Um, he, throughout that book, he, he refers to or he, or he um, addresses children quite often. Um, so we talked a bit around that it might have been early teaching or milk. So um, just quite basic because he kept referring to dear children. Um, our initial thoughts were uh, who does what is right is born again um, and I think that the it was quite a short verse and we sort of talked a bit about the, the you know either side of it you know two short verses in isolation is quite hard to look at and there was quite a lot of exciting stuff I think that was the word you used Chris that he was got excited about reading either side of the two verses um, we talked a bit about, um, you know, it says, where are we? Um, we talked a lot about continue in him, and I think some of the versions that we read were said abide in him, and what that actually meant. So it meant, we, we thought it meant focusing on him or um, dwelling in him. So um, Paul used a good analogy around the fact that he lives in, in Trentham, not far from here, and he, he goes and visits other places for his job or, or on holiday and things like that, but he's not dwelling there. And so, you know, the words continue in him or, or abide in him is, you know, get into him, be, you are, you are there, you're not, your, your focus isn't elsewhere, so that all those other things aren't your focus, your focus is where you are, so it's, it's in him. Um, and then... Talked about drawing resources from there, feeding from from him, um, and life flying from him. 
Um, we talked a lot about the vine and, and, and that got way somewhere that I didn't follow, so I'm not going to get into it. <laughs> I don't, yeah, got into gardening. I don't get into it. Right. Um, so the next part of it was, so, so you abide in him so that, we, so that when he appears, we may be confident and, and unashamed before him at his coming. So getting back into the belonging and believing. So the start was, and now dear children, that's your that's your belonging again. It's recognising that we are children of his. But then the believing, so the, when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed. It's just such um, encouragement that we can live with confidence when we know if we're abiding in him and we're um, connecting in with him. Was there anything else? That's all I've got on the notes. That's it? Awesome. Thank you. All right, you're leading discussion on Tuesday. <laughs> Simon, Simon English. Yeah, here come the Brits. <laughs> nice one. Um, turn with me to Hebrews 5, and we're looking at verse 11 to 14. And uh, yeah, with re- regards to, to this particular scripture, we did need to um, take a look at some of the verses beforehand just to um, add a bit of context. Um, in my version, it says, we have much to say about this. And we're going, oh, what's this? What are they talking about here? Um, but if we read from the NASB, it says, um, concerning him, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and Evil. Um, so uh, the the book of Hebrews um, was written uh, at a time in which uh, there is much persecution which is happening within the church. And so um, the letters are written to encourage uh, and to uh, build faith into those who, um, who are being challenged. Um, but also really to start to establish solid foundations in the, in the hearts of, uh, of those people. Because what we were particularly um, drawing out is that in, in this particular scripture, we, we identified a group of believers who are struggling to come to terms with the extent and the magnitude of living the Christian life uh, in their own flesh and have gotten to a place of comfort and staying on the basics, feeding purely on milk. It's, it's a bit like what Greg was saying this, this morning with regards just to the, the magnitude of what he's calling us into is being presented and um, it, it seems uh, too, much to, too much to handle. We have, um, just with regards to the, the concerning him, we have much to say. Um, 
just in in uh, chapter five and from verse seven, it's it's talking um, about the uh, the order of Melchizedek, um, the the high priest, um, which it goes on to explain a little bit more in in Hebrews seven about who he was, but you'll also find it in Genesis um, 14, um, 18 as well, how he was a, uh, a king, uh, which his name actually means king of righteousness. And um, being the king of Satan, he was, um, it, it also uh, translates as the king of peace. You can find that in verse 2. And um, so there, there was something that having Christ come from this this order having come from uh the uh from the the expectation there is clear clear things that are, are, are brought out through through verse seven and eight of of who christ was living under this particular order and these were things that we we picked out is the the life that was being uh re- re- required of these people um so the order of melchizedek the life of a great high priest is someone who devotes themselves to prayer and petition. Someone who is living in reverent submission to the Father. Someone who knows their identity as a son of God. Someone who's obedient in life and also when sufferings occur, when sufferings happen. And the writer is really just challenging um, them, but also us now, um, that this is the life that we're being called into, um, a life of maturity, a life in which um, if we're wanting to, to eat, chew on meat, um, this, is what, um, this is what is being, being expected. Um, a life of maturity and focus on the teaching of righteousness, which is Christ. And that was one of the things which um, Josh was able to just bring out as... Um, where it says, for everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness. So the word of righteousness is Christ himself, is him, uh, his, his, his nature, his, his covering um, over us uh, and, uh, and who, he, who he encompasses. And so as, as an infant, if we're, if we're staying on, uh, on, the, on the basics, and we're not coming into a place or a position of um, of true true knowing of true intimacy with him, then we'll um, we'll never become accustomed to the ways of of who he is, and uh, and who he's calling us into. Um, but solid food is where is where God is calling us. He's he's wanting to um, he's wanting to partner himself with a bride that is mature. Um, as he was saying, you know, he's not coming coming back to to marry a child. That's illegal. Um, <laughs> he wants he wants a he wants a mature bride, and so um, from that it is it is a call. It's a challenge to us um, as the church, and and as it, as it was to them, was to not stay on the basics, but to to press in deeper to see what is um, what is on offer, and. Um, and to to live the life that Christ um, uh, showed to us on this earth. Awesome. It's interesting, eh? Dull of hearing, be quick to hear. You know, when Jesus said, eat my flesh, drink my blood, they said, who can listen to this? Couldn't hear what he was actually saying. And because uh, they become, they couldn't, they weren't hearing in the spirit. Dull of hearing. 
you know, poor Kirk's already had one of his eardrums blown out. He's, he's, he's dull of hearing at the moment. So speak to him on his left side, not his right side, because he looks at you like... <laughs> um, Nick, your group, mate. Peter, all right. Peter Chu, come on. We were given the, the assignment to look at James 3, 13, 18, and you know that it's the book of James, and it's written to the 12 tribes in, uh, in Jerusalem, uh, the dispersed tribes. So I'll get Aaron to read it for us first. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by his good behavior, his works in meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast against and lie against the truth. This is not the wisdom coming down from above, but it is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where jealousy and self-seeking are, there is confusion and every foul deed. But the wisdom from above is first clean, then peaceable, gentle, ready to obey, filled with compassion and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Thanks, Aaron. You can, you can see that this passage is on two kinds of wisdom the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of the, de- of the devil. I hope I can read what I've written here because my handwriting has gone so bad. <laughs> it's like chicken scratch. <laughs> this is what technology is all about. I'm so used to typing and you can't even write, read the own writing. <laughs> so why was this passage, uh, what, 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 what did it say? Um, is initiated by the, uh, the uh, issue of speaking in tongues. You realize that in the starting of the book of James, the people were all caught up with us speaking in tongues. And um, James was writing in a way of teaching them and trying to explain to them the way they should go. And uh, a lot of, um, there were a lot of selfish ambitions among the churches there at that time. Uh, there were a lot of hidden agendas, if you like. So... Um, and James is uh, looking into ways of realigning the people's thoughts into the way that they should go. And he, he was very specific in what he wants to say. So how does this um, passage relate to us? To me, I, well, in the group, <laughs> it's like a reality check to us, we feel. Uh, it is in the light of scripture, how do we um, see things in the light of God's word? And then talks about our heart's motivation. What motiv- motivates us to speak? Do we speak out of selfish ambition, of hidden agenda? Or do we speak in line with God, what has shown to us through his word? Okay. And in this passage, James says, hey, you know what the wisdom is about. You can tell because you can tell by the fruits and the results of, the, of, of what people do. Your action, your action speaks louder than your word. So what's the key point that the author's, what's the author saying here? He says that without, um, we should speak without hypocrisy. So we say the things that we do. All right? We speak with the word. We, we, we walk the talk, if you like. And then he says, um, we shall know who is wise 
Because I think God's given us a spirit of discernment. We can discern what's right and wrong. And I think that's the maturity of a Christian. We learn to do that, don't we? And then, and there are two kinds of wisdom, as pointed out. There are two kinds of wisdom. There's, there's always, you know what's bad, what's good. And then they say, some, there are, what are the sources of the wisdom? The source is the kingdom of God or the kingdom of darkness. So you know where it comes from. And we, we like verse 14. We talk about the state of, a, state of the heart. It says here, um, many of us, when we, we go to work, many of us go and sit in a committee in, in a meeting. And the things that we say, the decisions that we make, we try to influence the thoughts towards our hidden agenda. And even at home, between us and our wives, sometimes we play up our wives. We think uh, because we want what we want. And, and we use that wisdom to buy our way there. And similarly, we think in the church, we do the same thing too. We might be serving a committee. I didn't mean to apply to committee members, no, the board members. Uh, but we do, when we serve in the church, whether we have our hidden agenda, what kind of wisdom do we want to apply? Okay? And seeking Christ and his righteousness, the righteousness will um, result in us, uh, the work that we should do, how we should walk the correct path. And lastly, we talk about self-righteousness and God's righteousness. If God is, 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 is doing everything, we then are in partnership with him and we walk in his wisdom rather than our wisdom. And Glenn, Glenn Joyce's guys. Oh, Thomas, here we go. Um, so we had the passage of 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 to 17, which um, is a well-bandied around and thrown around scripture, which says that all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Um, this scripture is often used for uh, backing up the Bible and Rightly so. Um, it was from Paul um, speaking to Timothy, who was relatively young, and we discussed that uh, Paul and Timothy, Paul was in a mentorship-type role with Timothy, and um, it says that in 1 Timothy, Paul refers to him as my true son in the faith. So there is this real walking and discipleship process going on here. Um, in 2 Timothy Paul is nearing the end of his physical life. Um, I don't personally know if that actually came to pass, but he certainly felt that, look, you know, I'm at the end of my race. I've run this well. Um, here are my words to you. Here's my encouragement and my charge to you. Um, he's been speaking about dealing with false teachers and that um, this is what is going to happen in the last days, that people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, They'll be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. Um, and he's saying, look, you know, this is what is going to be going on around you. You will see this and you may have you know, the opportunity to waver, but do not waver. 
um, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Jesus Christ will be persecuted. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those you have learned it from. So he's saying, you know, stay in this discipleship. You, um, you know, I, you have seen me, you have seen my life walked out, lived out, poured out for um, the gospel of Christ. You know me, you know that you've been learning from me. Follow in that. And by the way, you've been learning the scriptures from birth. And all of them are God-breathed and useful for teaching. It's like, it's the first time I've really read this from a position, or in the context of it being a real encouragement, rather than just a defense of the word of God. Thank you very much. You know, how do we prove that the Bible is true? Well, it's self-proving because it says it is. But it's like, well, he's actually using that as a real encouragement to Timothy, who's this young guy, and who may be, you know, perfectly um, justified and being a little bit worried about what he's seeing around him. And I think that um, we can probably relate to that today. Um, and we could have gone into the debate of what this, um, you know, when he, when, he's, when he terms scripture, what that means. You know, is that just the Old Testament or does it include the letters that were there already at the time? And it's like, well, we came to, it's like, well, it's both. You know, it's, it was written for that time and it was also prophetic. And if it is the God-inspired, it is God-breathed, word then therefore it's for us today so therefore it includes the scripture that we have um so it's so it's um you know multi multi uh purposed in that way so therefore uh we decided not to go into that debate um <laughs> one thing that we mentioned um was that uh we had the amplified version pulled out and it was talking about when it was um for teaching rebuking correction and training in righteousness in the little side note of righteousness, it was talking about that that was conforming to the will of God in thought, purpose, and action. So I thought it was quite um, good in illustrating that it's just this, it's this holistic thing. It's actually our whole life being conformed to God and being given to God and following after him and seeking him. Um, and it's really to say, hey, look, if you want a reference and if you want a... Um, point uh, uh, a sort of a backup for trying to discern what is true and what's not then you know you've got it right here um, this, this, this is scripture is for for that and it doesn't mean that anyone who reads the bible will automatically become mature um, but he's saying if you're really wanting to know whether what someone brings to you is true or not then line it up with the scriptures um, and that comes to a point of um, getting the man of God to the point where he is equipped to be able to do the work that God has for him. And so it's, it is that is, there's this preparation first before doing the work rather than just being gung-ho and wanting to do the work and it falling over and you embarrassing God. I don't know. <laughs> um, because you know what you've done and what you've said does not line up with how you actually live your life. Um, and there's a in, in verse seven it says that there are those um, there are the kind of people who are always learning but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. So you can be learning these scriptures. Indeed, Timothy knew the scriptures from birth, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you actually know them. Um, and yeah, I think probably with the conclusion that we came to was that. Um, 
Paul was just encouraging Timmy, Timothy, the time is short, Timmy. <laughs> Good old Timmy. <laughs> yeah. Um, that the time is short, don't waver in the faith. I'm trying to encourage you here. Stay, stay true. Use the word as your guide for staying true to the course. Um, there's going to be those who uh, are not going to put up with sound doctrine, you know, right teaching, good teaching from the Bible, but they will follow their own desires um, and will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Um, and then finally, sorry, I'm doing a lot of context here. Um, he says, and now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness. I have run my race well. I have stayed true to the course. I have kept the faith. Um, and now there is this crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only me, but to all those who have longed for his appearing. So he's saying, you know, it is just this big, massive encouragement to stay true to it. There is an end um, goal in sight, which, and you know, you are longing for his appearing. Don't waver, don't get sidetracked. Use the scriptures, they're reliable. You can rely on them, and um, they will help you along the way as long as you're doing it from the right point of view. So, yeah. That's awesome. Really. <laughs> Thomas, what group were you in, bud? I just can't remember who I... Uh, Joycey, okay, cool. Uh, Chris Reddington. Who's representing... All right. Um, we read from 2 Timothy 4, 7 to 8. Um... It says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the course, I have kept the faith, and the future there is laid up for me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on, on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. And, yeah, like, Paul was... Um, speaking to Timothy, um, and he was speaking to him about, like he was seeing, he was showing him something in a spiritual realm, and it wasn't it wasn't with the physical sight, but it was spiritually, um, and it's like we are we are called to run run a race, and like. We have we have rules in place because because uh, like it's a guideline and it's like it's not not as though we must do this we must do that but it's it's there to protect us it's there for for our our safety and it's like even when your parents it's like you put boundaries in place because you love them um and yeah I guess. Uh, key points behind it is it's like yeah there's perseverance and it's like there's going to be obstacles in our way and it's like it's actually getting past it. it's like actually I'm going to persevere actually I'm going to run the race and um, 
and it's also about having having a, vi- a like vision, and it's like it's like there's the finish line, but there's stages to get to that point, and God God has has shown us different points. It's like oh, get to this stage. Once you get there, you can go to the next stage, and it's that preparation, and it's like he's he's preparing us, and yeah, it's like running a race is is it's good, and it's like there's always there's always a crown and the crown of righteousness, and only he can judge us. No one else can, but but him, and. For all of this, it's I guess it's more of an encouragement. It's a reminder that we we do have a race and we do have rules, but it's stepping into what He has for us. But yeah. Mister McGregor, who's in your team room? So we're given the verse um, in Hebrews uh, chapter 1, verses 8 to 9. So I'm going to pick this up because it's way too small for me to read off there. Um, But of the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. So initially, looking at that verse, we were drawn to uh, the scepter being a symbol of power and authority, and that authority being rooted in righteousness. Um, We looked a bit further just to help draw context on why the purpose of um, why I think was it Paul was writing this, um, and in chapter two it says, "Therefore we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it." And you know, all through the Old Testament, Israel continuously turned away from God because they forgot the testimony. And you know, we're called to remember His testimony so that we also will walk walk and not drift away um, you know and also that you know the authority given and that Jesus had was rooted and displayed in righteousness and that righteousness you know is what should be seen in the authority that we walk in as Christians and of Christ um, yeah that's I cover everything <laughs> I think that's it so. Yeah. Uh, Michael Cummins. All right, Russell. Looks good. All right. We had uh, such a group of strong pillars of faith and strength. So naturally, out of that came um, quite a bit of depth in this <laughs> deep, meaningful stuff. Um, so our passage was uh, Second Samuel 22, and I think 
uh, it's probably the only passage from the Old Testament. Would that be right, Greg? Um, okay, Second Samuel twenty-two, twenty-one to twenty-five, uh, is David talking here. The Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands, he has recompensed me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not acted wickedly against my God. For all his ordinances were before me. As for, and as for his statutes, I did not depart from them. I was also blameless toward him. And I kept myself from my iniquity. Therefore the Lord has recompensed me according to my righteousness, according to my cleanness before his eyes. Pretty powerful, pretty powerful stuff. So this is David speaking in a song of praise on a day when the Lord had delivered him from Saul and all this is his other enemies, basically. Um, it's very much a psalm, but it's not in the psalms. So additional to the Psalms, it's a declaration of thanks, of praise to the Lord. It's David's testament of his relationship with God, recorded for the future generations of Israel. Now the future generations of Israel basically means recorded for us, the church, the New Testament uh, version of Israel. Um, it's a time in David's last days, so he is nearing the end of his life and obviously very reflective um, about the faithfulness of God, the rewards that God has given him over his life, the protection, the provision, all those things that the Father heart has poured upon him. And it's the Holy Spirit, therefore the, the anointing that, that David carried in his life, the Holy Spirit that was upon him, um, is speaking through him in this passage. It is said, uh, sorry, it was said as a testimony, a proclamation, a declaration of a promise that the Son of God is coming. And hence we go from the Old Testament into the New Testament, a promise that for things in future generations. The wider context of this passage is in reference to King David's ministry and role as a king of Israel. He was blameless, blameless before God's eyes, righteous. He knew his Lord and God and therefore his identity in God's kingdom. And the key points, the Lord rewarded David according to his righteousness, therefore keeping his ordinances and statutes. David did not depart from God. He kept himself from sin and guilt. And you may find that a little bit hard to believe because when you look at David's life, you know, we're all sort of pointing holes and pointing fingers at him, thinking, gosh, what about Bathsheba? And what about some of the other incidences that he was involved in? What about his, uh, his sons who turned, turned against him and this sort of thing? But in God's eyes, he was seen as a man after his own heart, as we heard this morning. Um, and, and God basically wiped those sins away. Um, he, he was righteous in, in God's eyes. Um, so his rewards were received on the foundations of God's grace and mercy. And that's sort of a, yeah, an introduction there to God's grace and mercy. That, that we can receive ourselves through Christ. 
Finally, what is the author encouraging us to into in action? Um, David's pointing to his personal relationship with the Messiah and the inevitable rewards that will that life of righteousness in God's eyes will bring, um, which is kind of a promise and a testimony to us too, to follow in that. So a powerful testimony, one from one of the heroes of the Old Testament, and as we head as we are into the New Testament, the sons of God can uh, learn from that testimony. Hmm. Chris Logan, who's representing you guys, Chris. All right, Mike. Cool. Um, so we had the passage, uh, Hebrews 12, uh, 7 to 11. I'll read this from the NASB. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which we have all become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us in a short time, as seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, so that we may share in his holiness. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, after it, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Um, I just wanted to read part of this from the NIV, which is um, the first verses from 7. Endure hardship as discipline. And I really liked that because I felt like um, it puts the onus on you to change that mindset, to endure it as discipline, to see this hardship as discipline. Because if you don't see yourself as a son... And you you don't consider you don't understand that belonging, and you don't understand that you are called by God, that He loves you, and you are called to be His son. Then hardship can seem like callousness and meanness of God, lovelessness. It can seem like He is awful because it's hard and it's sorrowful and it's difficult. But when you know that you belong and you have been called, then you can endure hardship as discipline. Because you understand that, oh, this is for my good because he is God and he is, he is my father. And much more than my father disciplined me, my heavenly father loves me even more and has such a bigger purpose. So I have to endure this hardship as discipline. Um, and so it's kind of the onus is on you to see that you are a son and therefore this hardship is, is discipline. Not meanness or callousness or um, sort of abandonment from God. It's actually discipline and it's for your growth. Um, also, in, enduring is, speaks of time because you don't endure a second. You endure, you endure a period. A, 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 it can be lengthy. And that's important to remember that as we're encouraged to endure hardship as discipline, it's not just brief and, oh, cool, you did it, you passed the test, sweet, whatever. It's an, it, it can be a long race. It can be per, uh, something that requires perseverance. Um, I found this really encouraging just because, um, you know, it, it, it is hard. <laughs> and it's, you know, when you go through hardship, when you go through discipline, and, and the writer is saying, you know, it is sorrowful, that, that is acknowledged. And so if, you know, if you're in that place, you're seen, you're, you're known to be going through something hard. It's not like just get over it. It's not man up. It's um, yes, 
it's hard. But as you see that you belong and as you see that you're a son, be encouraged because this hardship is not just for the hell of it, not because God is callous and mean, but because he is teaching you and, and building you up. And so be excited. And that's why um, the writer could, in that other book, James, um, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. Consider it. Change your mindset. Understand it. Perceive it. Consider it as pure joy. Or endure this as discipline because it, it takes, you know, the onus is on you to change that mindset and see, I'm a son. This isn't mean. This is discipline and I'm growing. Um, and the harvest is peace and righteousness, it says in NIV. Um, yeah, that's about it. That's everyone, eh? I think we've covered all the groups, which is cool. And I think, um, you know, I've talked about that faith sees the unseen. So when you see the unseen, that's the purpose behind discipline. See, there has to be a purpose behind what God leads you through, and there is. But if you can't see it, then what's the point? Hence, we see by faith. Faith sees a conviction of things. Who was that worthy, worthwhile doing that in groups? I, there was so much come out of there. I'm going great. I've got all this. Here's some preachers. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> there you go. So, if you get a tap on the shoulder, um, so thanks for engaging in that, guys. That's phenomenal. Um, we managed to finish pretty much on four o'clock as well. So uh, now is just your time, um, and you do whatever you want. You know, if you want to go for a walk, if you want to go to the pub, have a beer, whatever you feel free to do, do. Um, dinner's at five thirty. And then um, the next session, uh, which we're just going to come together and praise like we've been doing. Um, and I just want to say I've just been so encouraged by the level of um, participation in, in all, but um, certainly in that particular time. The, 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 what I can feel behind me is phenomenal. So just want to keep encouraging that. Um, and even tomorrow when we go back to, to carry this posture with you. So um, I'm going to run off and see if I can get a better DVD. Um, so we'll see you at dinner and then uh, in here, 7.30. That'd be cool. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for participating.
nah. but your caricatures keep coming yeah. and your love is so unconditional like it butterflies in my stomach uh. i got the old me in a rear view got a new me got a clear view that was so dead i couldn't hear you too deep to sin to come near you but you drew me in uh. and clean me up yeah. to take me home, home. beat me up just let me tell the truth and let these folks know that I done seen your love and it's everlasting, infinite, it goes on and on, you can't measure it, can't quench your love, they can't separate us from the love of God, there's no estimate, my face looked the same, my frame they rearranged, but I've changed, the promise ain't the same, your love so deep, you suffered and took pain, you died on the cross to give me a new name, ain't nothing like I seen before, I got a beam and glow, I was low down and dirty, but you